This Washington Post Live podcast is sponsored by M&T Bank and Wilmington Trust. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. On October 25th, the Washington Post hosted political leaders and analysts for a special 2018 midterm election preview event. Led by the Washington Post reporting team of Dan Balls, Paul Kane, and Karen Tumulty, the discussions reveal what's at stake for the candidates and the country on Election Day and the consequences for 2020 and beyond. In this segment, Chairman of the American Conservative Union, Matt Schlapp, and President and CEO of the Center for American Progress, Neera Tandon, discuss what the outcome of the 2018 midterms might mean for a variety of policy issues, including the real-world implications of the results for the administration, Congress, businesses, and individuals. Let's listen. Hello, everyone. Uh, We are the cleanup act for what has been an interesting (laughs) afternoon. Um, We're also on a bit of a short string. Uh, Nira has to leave promptly at 5.37 uh, to get to another engagement that she's That's okay. I can get extra time. (laughs) That's right. We'll just leave it in Matt's hands. Um, I'm Dan Balls. I cover politics here at The Post. Uh, I'm very pleased to have Nira Tandon of uh, Center for American Progress and Matt Schlapp of the American Conservative Union here. Um, They are familiar to any of you who watch television much, uh, and I think they are familiar enough to one another that we could probably just say, go at it. Uh, (laughs) we We would get through the rest of the day. Um, I want to start with the obvious, which is what happened yesterday. Um, The explosive devices sent to Secretary Clinton and her husband's home address to President Obama, to CNN, to now more than half a dozen others. Uh, Two questions for both of you. One, what does this say about our political climate? Um, And two, what impact, if any, do you think this will have on the midterms? Mira? Uh, I think we have a toxic political climate, and I I think there's a big effort by a lot of people to equate that as equal between the parties, and I think that's ridiculous. I think we've never had a time in our past where uh, we have political leaders who tweet, go to rallies, attack uh, people by name, so... uh, you know, with such harsh rhetoric. We obviously don't know who did this, but we do know that the uh, everyone who received a pipe bomb has been attacked by name by the President of the United States. And I find it, you know, these are people I know, uh, some I know very well, and I deeply worry about a climate which could lead to deaths of political opponents of uh, of people, and I, you know, I find it deep, I find it, I don't know what the words, I've run out of words of how outrageous and anxiety-producing this is, and um, uh, I wish it would change, but I think it is fueling a concern for basic things like democracy and rule of law and uh, some accountability in Washington, not just amongst Democrats, but a lot of independents in the country. Yeah, I think... Uh First of all, it's terrible. Um, People can uh, disagree with public servants. They can try to defeat them. They can attack them verbally with rhetoric. But when it 
goes into their personal security. Uh, it's a very worrisome thing. You know, my uh, office building is right across from the baseball field where Steve Scalise was shot and where those other Republican congressmen had to flee. It really brings it home when you see that violence. And that violence has unfortunately infected, I don't think it's one party's problem. Um, you know, there are people out there in the country, obviously, that uh, can be prone to be violent in an inappropriate way, and it's a terrible thing. I think the, uh, the key is, you, your second part of your question was, how does it affect the midterms? And I would just say, let's take a breath. Let's figure out what's going on with these pipe bombs. And, uh, and I think the American people are fair. And, um, and, and in the end, I'm hoping that this is just one unbalanced, crazy person and, uh, and we, we can get back to talking about the issues and that all the people that got the bombs are appropriately, you know, protected by security. Many of them are public officials. And, uh, and I, w I, I wish them uh, no, you know, no physical harm. Can I, can I ask yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, can I just say one thing about this, which is I do think we, the attacks on anyone are terrible. I think the unwillingness to say that it's wrong for the president to go after people at a rally. The fact that we're at yesterday's rally, and I affect, like, you know, I know some of these people, so I feel personally affected by it, but the fact that there's a rally in Wisconsin and hours after people receive a bomb, a, a pipe bomb, they're chanting, lock her up, and no one stands up and says, now is not the time, please stop. I just don't understand why we can't say, don't attack po political leaders. Well, don't don't sit, have locker up chants. Don't do the targeting of people when you know there's this environment out there. And I just feel like you should be able to say that to the president. I would say it to any Democrat who goes at a rally and talks about a, a, a says locker up about Republicans. Like, you, I think we should be able to say that. And I wish, we could all say that. Do you think we should say the same thing to the former attorney general who said that uh, when they go low, it's okay to kick them? Yeah. I don't you know, think that was an actually, appropriate Eric statement. Holder, actually, because there was a lot of uh, upset about that, actually said right after he made that statement that he was talking about people's interests. And obviously, no physical violence should ever happen to anybody. So that's an example, actually, of people recognizing that we, that we do live in that climate and we shouldn't do those things. But I appreciate there's always an effort to both sides every situation. Well, there is two sides <laughs> to all of this. And I think what I'm trying to say is simply this terrible thing happened yesterday. I think we're all hoping as Americans that no one gets harmed. And I think to say it's one party's fault or one politician's fault, I just, I'd just like to, I'd like to press pause on that and let's see what we learn. Matt, I want to ask one more question related to this, and that is the president last night said, you know, there should never be any violence aimed at anybody right. in these situations. A week before in Montana, he praised a congressman who right. had body slammed a reporter. Right. Um, which is the real Donald Trump? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that, and I've commented on that publicly. I think. Ben Jacobs is a friend of mine, and I didn't think that was an appropriate thing for the candidate then at that time to do. And, uh, and I think it's, look, I think all of these politicians, all of them, uh, need to be really careful with the words that they choose. When I hear Eric Holder say that, I'll take your word for it, that he didn't mean it, but he said it. Words have consequences. When Hillary Clinton says to people like me that it's hard uh, to be civil towards people that are trying to destroy America, or when Barack Obama says it would be dangerous if Republicans did well, during the midterms, we should all be careful about the words that we choose. Because as much as I want my party 
and my side to do awfully well in the November elections. Um, I want them to do well because the American people want them there to do good things for the country. And that's what I want to see happen. So I didn't hear Matt j at all say what the president just did last week was wrong and did, should be and should that. be aboard. I, and I did you of, say I that heard, about Hillary? Could you say that about Hillary? I'd, say, I'd say this just about, say I'll say, I will. Let me say this about what Hillary said. When your values are attacked, we should all be vocal and we should not, no one should be, uh, no one should be attacking people. No one should be viscerally stopping people, but we should be active through democracy to protect our values. And I will say, the president's attacks on individuals make people feel like democracy is at stake. But what I find so bizarre about the situation we're in is we had these attacks, the president said the attacks are terrible, and then this morning attacks the media and says, there's a reason why this is all happening. Instead of ever saying once, you know what? My rhetoric might be a little out of control when the people who all received pipe bombs in the mail are people he has attacked himself. So, I mean, who in America would know who John Brennan is unless he was tweeting, there was a Twitter attack by the president. Or and even if it's not responsible, <laughs> of course. Right. I'm not, just say, let's all dial it down. I, maybe my rhetoric is too much. Dan, can I just and say that one is, thing? And the what fact she that said that's is, too much. What she said is, it's hard to be civil towards a party, not to be civil. And the second thing is, when people like Ted Cruz and Sarah Sanders and all these people, Secretary of Defense receiving ricin in the mail, Ted Cruz receiving ricin in the mail, people being chased out of restaurants and out of society, I think we can also say, right, that we shouldn't, that's not an appropriate way, as much as I believe in the First <laughs> so Amendment. Let me, Hillary so Clinton was not saying ricin in the mail fine? is acceptable by anyone, and it's outrageous for you to say that. No, I'm not fine with people getting chased out of restaurants, but the idea that it, incivility at a restaurant is being equated with a pipe bomb is ridiculous to me. <laughs> really? Yeah, it really? is, uh, it is. Really? So, so, interesting. Yeah, so interesting. let me, let me project forward. <laughs> Um, if we end up with uh, a divided Congress, mm -hmm. um, with the House in Democratic hands and the Senate still in Republican hands, um, how would that change this climate? And B, what will it do to the policy agenda? Matt, why don't you start on that? Well, you know, we live in an era where the Congress, by most polls, in most people's estimation, of course, it's Republican majorities today, people feel like it's a broken institution. Um, and it's been presidents, whether President Obama talked about a pen and a phone and using his executive authority, or Donald Trump, who's been a very aggressive executive and pulling back on the Obama agenda. I'm not so sure. Of course, I want Republicans to win. I'm a Republican. You can, that's pretty clear by what I'm saying. But it, I'm not so sure it's going to make a huge policy input besides on the questions around how we fund the government, um, because Congress doesn't pass that much. And, uh, and if we have a divided Congress, which could happen, I don't see any chance the Democrats pick up the Senate. I appreciate what Senator Van Hollen, I think he has a tough map to try to sell this cycle. But, the, um, but you could have a divided Congress. I'm not so sure it's going to make a big difference other than the acrimony, I think, increases because we'll have even more investigations on the Trump administration. Nero, what do you think? Well, I think we'll be entering an interesting period uh, that we haven't seen in a long time, uh, in several decades, which is you'll have a, you know, if we have a Democratic House, you'd have a Democratic House facing a Republican president who is up for re-election himself. Uh, I imagine Democratic candidates will start announcing for president in the next several months. 
Um, there will be lots. So some seem <laughs> to have done that already. <laughs> so I think. Well, some uh, did I some think, DNA tests I to get think, ready. Uh, for I think um, there were. Uh, uh, there's really two tracks. I think Democrats will actually work to pass legislation on infrastructure, around wages. Campaigns have been really fought on health care, uh, raising wages, uh, and uh, to some degree, a tax on the tax cut. My expectation is that they will do uh, proposed legislation around pharmaceuticals, around perhaps even shoring up the ACA and infrastructure package. Candidate Trump talked about delivering better health care for people. He talked about an infrastructure proposal. It, you know, I don't think Mitch McConnell will want to pass anything, but if, the, if President Trump actually wants to go back to the kind of candidate he was where he actually talked about sort of middle-of-the-road issues on pharmaceuticals or infrastructure, I think he could actually make deals. At the same time, I do think if there is a Democratic House, it will be because Democrats and independents want a check on the president, and there will be a, an agenda around accountability. Uh, I don't think it will be all-consuming, but I do think we would expect to see the president's tax returns and other issues like that uh, live and center. Earlier this afternoon, uh, Speaker Gingrich was here, and yeah. he was talking about what would happen, what the choice the Democrats would have to make if they win the House. He said, yes, his choice a, is a false one, I think. But. What, between the party of new ideas and the party of investigations? I think that it's interesting because when he was speaker, he managed to do both. He did run a series of investigations of the Clinton administration. Uh, I, think, I think the truth is that Democrats have to be, the, the issues animating in the, not on cable, but in the, in the races, are issues like health care costs, uh, wages, housing costs in a lot of part lot of the country. And the interesting thing about the Democratic candidates is you have uh, so many candidates who've never been in office before. It's actually helpful to them that they're coming from outside the political process. Issues like political reform are important. I do think that a Democratic House has to deliver on the things these candidates have talked about. And Nancy Pelosi ha is a person who recognized in 2007 and 2008 when she won the majority uh, before, how important it was to set up those issues for 2008 to keep her majority. And I think, I think you will see that focus. At the same time, the, one of the reasons a Republican House would lose its majority is because it has, every time an issue has come up with the president, whether it's corruption at, in a department, whether it's uh, any issue related to his own finances. You have this whole story in the New York Times about the Chinese and the Russians. The challenge is Republicans act like it never happened. They just are like, it didn't happen. And people do want, and independent voters as well as Democrats want uh, some more accountability than we've seen before. So I think they have to deliver on that as well. Matt, um, I wanted to ask you, um, health care is obviously an issue that Democrats are talking about. Big issue, yeah. How did Republicans manage to turn the Affordable Care Act into yeah. a good issue for the Democrats? Yeah, it was <laughs> such a great issue for us that we never won so much as we did under Barack Obama, and, and Obamacare was a rare a real rallying cry and actually you know Obamacare was the legislative uh, item obviously that was signed into law but 50 percent of it was administrative action by Kathleen Sebelius and what we've seen with two secretaries of HHS is so many changes and because of their changes actually that's had a nice downward pressure on premiums so and look there, there's this whole debate over pre-existing conditions I think it's the least controversial 
uh, area in politics. I think almost every American I've talked to believes that that should be covered in one shape, manner, or form in, uh, in, uh, in any health care law that we have. But I think the final thing is this, which is I think there's a little something here that's pyrrhic for Democrats. I hear what Nira is saying about what their agenda is out there in the country. But I think the American people remain very dubious to the idea, for instance, that we should have Medicare for all. I think they think it's a very dubious proposal. Most of the Democrats who are considering running for president have already signed on to this concept, the idea that you would have, you know, the federal government, you know, more and more involved in our health care decisions. So over the long run, I think it continues to be a really an important debate that we're having as a country. And I think most Americans are troubled with the idea of everything with healthcare being centralized. Yeah, so I appreciate we're coming to the end, but I do need to respond to that, which is the Republican plans, every single Republican uh, who voted for repeal in the House, just to be clear about this, voted to eliminate protections for pre-existing conditions. The fact that we have Republican candidates running ads supporting pre-existing conditions is a statement of how much the country cares about it and how much their pollsters are telling them they have to tell that story. But the reality is they faced a choice last summer and said, we want to get rid of the ACA tooth and nail, and they eliminated protections for pre-existing conditions. For what Matt just said, that everyone cares about pre-existing conditions, if they cared about pre-existing conditions, they shouldn't have voted to repeal the ACA. And that is just a simple fact. And the fact that we live in a time where people are putting out ads, saying one thing when their record is another, is one of the reasons why people are getting so motivated to vote, because they want to put an end to this level of dishonesty in politics. Yeah, uh, I feel like I have a, I don't have the home field advantage here, but that's okay, I'm gonna keep plowing forward. I think that the key thing on all these questions is the American people are gonna decide. Yeah. And they're gonna look at these ads and they're gonna look at these candidates. And they're going to make a determination. And the one thing you talk about where the energy is, the energy has been on hashtag resistance. And for the Democrats, since the first second, Donald Trump walked down that elevator, and certainly from the first second of his administration. And what we've actually seen over the course of the last 60 days is that battle has been joined by Republicans and by conservatives and by the coalition I'm a part of. They're awfully motivated as well, which is why most of these polls are collapsing to the benefit of our Senate candidates and to our House candidates, and why I would say, even on election night, I agree, I know you don't agree with me, but I agree with what Amy Walter was saying. As a matter of fact, I take it a step further. I think election night, we probably are not going to know who has the majority in the House, and I think on the Senate side, I think we're going to do awfully well. I think, I it's think gonna we're going to know night. by I, 9 o'clock. I hate, to, I, hate to end, I hate to end on a point <laughs> of indecision. So uh, thank you. We are out of time. Uh, Matt you. and Nira, thank you very Thanks, much. Dan. This Thanks. was very enjoyable. Thank you all. Thank you. Sorry. It's all right. Thank you. You and I could just sit here and talk. We could, yeah. I need to say one more thing. If you want to watch video clips of any of this, go to WashingtonPostLive.com. Um, and um, I think that's it. Just stay reading the post for all the midterm coverage. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.